Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. everyone i'm comma uh grammar saves lives on tumblr and i'm joined here tonight by eon hi this is eon i'm eon blue negative on tumblr and guile hi this is guile i'm guile and subterfuge on tumblr and our special guests darling hi i'm darling and you can find me at darling of the westerlands on tumblr and devon Hi, I'm Devin and GD Harpo on Tumblr and Twitter. And I especially would like to thank both of our guests for joining us. Uh, it's the wee hours of the morning for Darling, and Devin <laughs> is pinch hitting for us. So thank you both. Yeah, thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> um, tonight we have a very special episode. It is what I'd like to call the Battle of the Cats Book Catlin versus Show Catlin. And um, I guess we should just. Uh, we usually spoil everything, books, show, whatever. So, you know, if you want, like to, don't want to be sp- 57 episodes in, like at this point, hey, you never know. <laughs> Sometimes people join the podcast in the middle and they don't really know what we're all about. And we probably will have, I don't know. Sometimes we talk about violence and rape and stuff. And so if that's a problem, I guess, check out. Okay. Uh, sorry. And on that exciting note, I guess what I thought we would do um, is kind of start out looking a little bit at Book Catlin. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'd like to throw out this as a question uh, to everybody on the panel. Um, Just basically, what did you like best about her characterization? Um, For me, it was her kindness. And there is lots that I like about Kat. I love her intelligence and her ambition. I love that she really is a strong character. But in this series, kind characters and those moments of kindness that you see are so important. And I like that she remembers the names of the small folk who came to River Run so long ago. And I love how she treats Brienne. And that was something that really stood out to me as I was reading it. And despite what people may say, and I know we're going to talk about this so much later, Some people use her relationship with one particular character as really damning evidence for her being a really horrible, cruel person. But just from all of her other interactions with people, it's just not the case at all. It's funny that you said kindness because I kind of like her prickliness in a way. And I like that she can be kind of bitchy and kind of snobby because I think it makes her seem like a very real person. Like that doesn't make her Mm. a bad person or a villain or anything. It just literally makes her like someone that, you know, you could work with like someone that could work in the cubicle next to you, you know, just like that very real person. Yeah. I like her. um, I like her duality of just being um, a Tully from the South, from the Riverlands. And then um, once after she's been in the, North for so long, um, how she embodies that as well, um, just the duality of both of those, and how she can still be as political as she, she needs to be with things that she learned coming up in River Run, but how she can um, also have some of that coldness and northernness to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think duality is a great word to describe her, like, in so many ways. 
I just really loved her portrayal of being a mother. I thought she was just, she's like a, like I've heard, there's a Southern saying, I mean, as protective as a mother hen. And um, that's Catelyn right there. Yeah, for me, I she seems so very normal. And there are not a lot of characters in the series who I could say that about. Mm. And sometimes you need that because I think it grounds you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would ask, was there something, you know, because we are going to be comparing with what did you like least about her characterization? Were there qualities that, you know, you, you dislike or don't identify with or... Well, I think for me, again, it's, you know, she is kind of snobby. She is, um, she is a bit of an, you know, she's definitely the oldest sibling and she's got very Mm -hmm. much of that know-it-all kind of characteristic to her. But again, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's an aspect of her personality that is very real. So I, I just, you know, if I met her on the street or she was a friend of mine, there's some things I would dislike about her. But as a character, I kind of, again, appreciate that that aspect to her. Yeah, there's nothing I can really say that I dislike about her characterization, because like we've all said, she's just so real. And I don't know, the only thing that comes up to me, because I love Ebony Ortelli so much, I don't like how dismissive she is towards her little brother, but that's just the eldest sibling thing coming through. And like, yeah, I I love him. He's my sweet river prince. Like, (laughs) I don't like how she acts towards him. But that is it. I love everything else. The good and the slightly bad as well. Yeah, if there was anything for me, it would be the how snobby she can be at times. But again, that doesn't make her a bad character. It's just, I mean, it's a human quality. So, I mean, if there was something I liked least about it, that'd probably be it. But yeah. I kind of like, too, that she is bloodthirsty. And, you know, again, this certainly gets into where her character ends up. Mm. But I like that she is, you know, allowed to be feminine and allowed to be a mother, but allowed to be, like, have be angry and be kind of bloodthirsty and not, oh, I mean, in a lot of Rob's stories, she is kind of the voice for peace. But in, you know, her individual moments, like, she's pretty damn bloodthirsty, too. And I... I like that she gets to be all of those things. She's not just, you know, womanly, motherly cat. Like, she's a cat who's going to scratch you. (laughs) That's really good. Mm -hmm. I think y'all brought up the um, bloodthirstiness last week, on last week's episode, and it was something I hadn't really ever thought of. But, yeah, she is very bloodthirsty, like you said, when she's to herself in her own thoughts. And I think that's something that, um, like, I'm probably remembering wrong, but I don't think the show touched on any of that at all, her being bloodthirsty. No, I, I I agree. They really they keyed in on a lot of the motherliness and kind of backed away from you know kind of her harsher qualities in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, we could put a we could put a pin on that because I think we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. Um, it's interesting. Um, it's very hard for me to think of anybody but Michelle Fairley playing her at this point. But initially, she was supposed to be played by um, Jennifer Ailey. I think that's how you say her last name. Um, Who, for me, I will always, she is, for me, the iconic Elizabeth of Pride and Prejudice. But she's done a lot of other things. And I know she portrayed her 
in the uh, pilot that they've never aired and they say they never will air. I don't know if anyone else is familiar with her. Or am I the only one? No, I've seen her in a few films. I think I went to see a, I went to see a Spooks film a couple of years ago just because it had Kit Harrington in it, and she played like um, she played like a boss of MI five or something. So um, I don't know. There was certainly a lot of sternness in that role, which I could have seen coming through as Catelyn in some moments. But I don't know. I just feel like for me, Michelle Michelle Fairley is Catelyn, and with the material that she was given, she, she was she was flawless. She really was. She's Catelyn to me. And now when I read the books, I can't help but think of Michelle as Catelyn. She's just there in my head now. See, I kind of, I would really, at some point, I would love for that pilot to be shown. You know, whether it's a feature on a DVD or something. Because I know they, I heard two stories as to why they didn't, they recast the part. One was that she didn't have good chemistry with um, Sean Bean. And then the other um, was that the actress really didn't want to commit um, and wanted to raise her family. And I suppose either or both could be true. But I kind of wonder if she would have brought some of the qualities. Because, I mean, TV is very collaborative. And Mm. even with the writing, I kind of wonder if she would have brought some of that political aspect to the part. Mm. I don't know. I don't know that you could bring. I don't know that you could bring in the political aspect of it through acting, though. Like that really well, has to like, be in the writing. The cerebral quality, the intellectual quality, whatever you want to call yeah. it, cunning. I don't know. And I think that's probably pe- going to be one of people's major issues with um, the characterization of Cat on the show is mm. that they kind of took away a lot of that political acumen. You know. Mm. Having you know, in the midst of reading the chapters, part of me thinks maybe that's a bit overrated in Cat, actually. But it's something that I don't feel like they touched upon in the show. But yeah, I'm not familiar with the actress, unfortunately, so I can't really speak to, you know, how mm-hmm. her portrayal would have been. We did get uh, a question from an anon who said, um, "What other actresses other than Michelle Fairley do you think would have made um, good cats?" And um, I think Guile found a the original. It wasn't really. It, it looks like it was fan casting. We found a link, and some of the actresses who were listed there. I, I admit I did pick and choose because there were a few that I looked and I went, "Oh, all the hell no." Um, <laughs> but I mean, a couple of them came up, and I thought they were kind of interesting. Um, and I don't know if any of you have your own ideas as to who could have played, but like. The two, my top two were um, Sonia Walger, who's done a bunch of stuff. I'm most familiar with her as um, she played Penny um, on Lost, and she also played um, a very different role on In Treatment. And the other one that came up, I I can't believe she was considered for Cersei, but apparently Gillian Anderson. (laughs) Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, wow. But I really (laughs) think she would have made a fantastic Catelyn. I don't know. Do any of you have any thoughts on that? I mean, if we're going to go fantasy casting, I think of someone like a Jessica Chastain, and I'm doing it partially on looks, but then (laughs) partially on, like, kind of that cerebral aspect to her. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, sometimes for a lot of the Game of Thrones roles, I find myself going back to the Tudors and thinking of the actresses there. 
And so uh-huh. Maria Doyle Kennedy, who played um, Catherine of Aragon, is oh, she's she, an interesting. Yeah, she. You know, she, they definitely kind of aged her up a bit and kind of harshed her up a bit in the Tudors. When you see pictures of her, otherwise though, you like, yeah, she could definitely be Cat, especially um, the way that I think they subtly kind of aged, you know, Cat and Ned up. Not subtly, <laughs> they just aged them up. And um, Jolie Richardson, who played Catherine Parr, has kind of a a warmth. Um, not like an earthy warmth like Michelle Fairley has, but a different kind of warmth that might have been interesting. Yeah, I never thought about Maria Doyle Kennedy, but I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm. Do you find yourself in. like thinking of redheads? Like, I, I have a hard time I, I can, like stepping away from like, oh, yeah. hey, who's a redhead? Yes. You know. I was like, you kind of forget Juliet. that wigs exist. Yeah. You can dye yeah. hair. It's and that's really what easy. I was going for was redheads. And I was thinking of Julianne Moore I as Catelyn. You know, I could Maybe totally like- see Julianne Moore as Catelyn and Laura Linney as Lysa. If you were going to go like the movie star route. Yeah. And I feel like that could, you know, that could work in our fantasy oh, movie star role. Because yeah. I feel like Laura Linney has that brittleness that I... Uh, that I kind of associate with Liza, whereas Julianne Moore has more of the coolness that I would associate with Kat. Right. Mm. But someone else who was on that list, has any of you ever watched Designated Survivor? Have you heard of it? No. Netflix show. Oh, well, someone on the that Catelyn fan cast, Natasha McElhone, um, she... I've watched just a bit of Designated Survivor. I haven't seen it all the way through, but basically the premise of that is um, that there's this guy, and he's a very reluctant he's a very reluctant president who becomes um in control of the executive branch when everyone else like dies and his wife is and he just seems very ned-like and um natasha McElhone base plays the first lady and she's a lawyer and she's super supportive and she's ambitious ambitious as well oh, I and just, yeah she she yeah i'm seeing definite definite catness I just looked her up, that, and but... she played um, Jim Carrey's love interest in the Truman Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was in yes. that as well. She was mm. in, oh, God, this is going back years now. I saw this movie, Surviving Picasso. She was really good. Sorry. <laughs> no, but, like, Designated Survivor would be a good, like, first lady, Kathleen, like, AU. Like, I'm, I'm, get, I'm feeling that. So, yeah, she would have been good. But yeah, I was only... Mich- Michelle Filey is Kathleen to me, so... <laughs> Same for me. Like, <laughs> I was only I was familiar with Natasha McElhone from um, Californication. Um, she played Karen, and that, when I just looked at the list, and um, I could see that. But like uh, Michelle Fairley, she uh, she did a great job, and uh, she's it, when I read the books now, um, she's one of the few characters that I do um, like. I do picture her every now and again when I'm reading Cat. I just, so it's know, hard to see anybody else. She just had so much chemistry. I mean, it's so funny that if if one of the objections to Jennifer Ailey was a lack of chemistry with Ned with Ned Bean. Oh my God, Sean Bean. <laughs> Who is this Ned Bean? Um, boy, he's a really doomed guy. Um, you know, lack of chemistry with Sean Bean. It's interesting, just given how little screen time they actually have together, mm-hmm. and that you know, actually, Cat needs to have chemistry with. Um, you know, she needs to have chemistry with Brienne. She needs to have chemistry with Tyrion, with Jamie, with you know, with all these characters that Michelle Fairley absolutely did. And then, I mean, that one scene with Ruth at the red wedding. 
I mean, oh, yeah. like, mm. so, like, I just want them in a movie where they're, like, having sex. Like, I just, I know I said it. <laughs> but they have so much chemistry in that little moment that it's just unbelievable. And I think, you know, I absolutely think it's her. And then you hear her on the commentaries and you kind of get it get a glimpse into her personality and yeah it's totally her well i mean bear in mind that when they say it it's sort of like when i hear those excuses as to why they recast the part i'm reminded of the emails i get when like somebody in academia or in politics leaves where it's so and so has left to spend time with their family or so and i mean you don't know like every sports coach that ever retires you know yeah spend time with their family (laughs) And I do know the one thing I did hear that really rings true. Apparently, when they aired that pilot, there were a bunch of people who had no idea that Jamie and Cersei were brother and sister. Yeah, so, that's yeah, why they I added that. that they scene. had to dump over the top. Are oh, you saying, look, the Queen's brother? Like, yeah, and then they have a so scene where clear. Jamie goes, so, as your maybe brother. There were lots of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't just, it make you want to see that? See that? <laughs> it does. It totally does. Um, okay. Maybe we'll see it someday. I want to see it so bad. Um, all right. So we're kind of going in here. So why don't we dive into the whole... All right, we're going to talk about Michelle, Michelle Fairley now and, and Showcat. So I guess, again, I would ask you kind of the same questions we asked. I asked when we started, which, you know, what did you... Let's go positive. Like, what did you think she, I mean, well, we've already said her chemistry is amazing, but what else did you like about her characterization? I just really like seeing the tenderness between her and Ned actually play it on screen. I thought that was lovely to see. And that leaving King's Landing scene was just lovely. And I like that it mirrors another leaving King's Landing scene, which I know we hold very close to our hearts. But just seeing just just seeing them together. And again, I'm coming back to chemistry again, but they it was they were netting cat to me and they it just they made me feel like they really did love each other and that just made what happened to the Starks so much more heartbreaking seeing that. So I, I loved I loved her and Ned together. I liked seeing her fierceness play out on screen and even, you know, we see we hear her kind of have all these um reminiscence about the scars on her hands from fighting off Bran's assassin, but to actually you know, we get to see that. We get to see her, um, you know, nabbing Tyrion. We get to see her kind of in the middle of that little battle in the Vale, and then, you mm. know, to see her at the Red Wedding and actually, like, see her, you know, literally murdering someone. Um, you know, we see a lot of that, a lot of that fierceness to her, which it's nice to, you know, there's some things that are nice to see rather than just read. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Bueller? No. <laughs> um, okay. I know. I think uh, we're, we're all quite negative. If that's the feeling. Yeah, let's go there. I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. um, for me, what drives me crazy is that they they took this incredibly interesting, complex character and distilled her down to wife and mother. Yes. See, and... I hear this all the time, and I, I kind of don't buy it. Because I feel like she still, you know, 
she, there's a, a non there's a, a non question that we got that kind of alludes to this the fact that Cat always they give her um, the ability to be on the right side of the plot so she's the one yeah. telling Ned don't go so they're kind of giving her this political acumen that she didn't actually earn in the books and so yeah, I, I sometimes to... get confused when I when I hear that complaint like I kind of know where people are going with it but I'm not sure that I 100% agree with it. Well, it's because we saw her as Rob's mother, because I was someone who I watched the show before I read the books. And then when I actually picked them up, it was only then I realized what a big role Catelyn has and how has and how we see so much through her eyes. Mm. But when you see that played out on screen in the choices that D&D made with it, Rob is the main character very much in his um, in the in the northern campaign. And you I feel like she has been reduced to his mother because Rob has become the main character and she's been sidelined. And think, yeah, sorry. No, 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 you go ahead. I think finished. It's just, um, yeah. Like because Rob became the main character because Rob was aged up as well. She didn't have to play that advisor role because it wasn't a boy King. Rob was pretty much a man, a green yeah. boy, but a man. So we didn't I mean, see her think, in that advisor yeah. role. I, I think, think a lot it, of it her... comes down to agency. Like I mm. noticed it, especially because I also, I watched the show, I watched the first two seasons and then started reading the books. And when we on the podcast went back and rewatched, you know, I think it was like season one, I started to notice that any time in the book, it was a decision that Catelyn would make. Like yes. she was going to, you know, she was the one pushing for this or pushing for that. They took that away from her every mm-hmm. single time. Yeah, That's kind of. Give... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. They, they give it all to Rob pretty much. And like that was the biggest thing with the show. Like I I like her character on the show. Um, and that mostly has to do with Michelle Fairley and just her acting. Um, but they, they take so much away from her that um, and give it to Rob that it's kind of like. She really didn't need like, to be there, honestly. What's an example of, of one of the decisions? I'm still not quite buying it. Um, they I start, one... just go to the very first episode where it has to do with, um, they change it from, it has to do with uh, the marriage, the Sansa thing. They change that. I mean, every single time there'll be a decision, unless it relates to her being a good mother or bad mother or whatever, it becomes someone else's choice. Mm-hmm. And in the, um, in the books, isn't it Kat who um, suggests that um, to treat with um, Renly and Stannis? Um, isn't no. that, isn't that, Kat? is that Kat? No. It's kind of okay. she and Brendan. Bre- okay. Kind of, and I mean, talk about another side that, you know, talk about another character kind of sideline because of aging up Rob. I mean, we definitely get a lot less blackfish in the show because yeah. you know, Rob doesn't need him. But it's this, like, this is something that's, sorry, this is something that's happened to mothers. Like if I can just talk about Cersei for one moment, yeah. like we've only really seen book Cersei on the show recently um, because with the aging up of Joffrey as well, we've now got, a, we had a show Cersei who was really scared of Joffrey and actually like really loved her children, which just isn't really the case in the books at all. And it was Joffrey who ordered all of Robert's bastards killed, not Cersei. And this is something that has happened to two mothers, the Lannister mother, well, Baratheon mother, whatever you want to call it, and the Stark mother, and it's 
it's it's sad to see that they haven't been able to look at these characters who so much of their identity well parts of their identity are the fact that they are mothers but they have been reduced to that quite a lot it's something that the show the problem the showrunners obviously have I, i think it's i don't think it's a conscious decision I think it's just what they do Mm. because you just see it again and again with every pretty much every major female character. They did it to Sansa big time. They've done it to, um, but it's mostly like I've it, you take what's this really rich character. And I mean, I'm not saying she's bad. I mean, Michelle Fairley's really good and she has some wonderful moments on the show, but it, it sort of reduces her. And I don't, think cat should just be you know put in the mom box i think there's a lot she's got a lot of facets and i wish we had had a chance to see more of that mm. um i don't know if anyone else um just how sympathetic they push to make her on the show because oh. like, if you didn't already sympathize with her like then you just weren't going to, but they really try to push for her to be just more sympathetic on the show, more sympathetic character. And she already is a pretty sympathetic yeah. character. Um, and I just think some of the choices they made on the show, which um, come up later in some of the, um, some of the questions I saw, just, uh, I didn't care for that. Like, I think this is the question that um, Guile was alluding to from, we got from math camel and uh, math camel writes, I feel like TV cat is whitewashed into having the quote-unquote right opinions. No, Ned, don't go south. I don't trust that later season villain. I feel so bad for emotionally abusing a child. Agree or disagree? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they think about all the shit that Kat gets in the fandom for abducting Tyrion. And then if you actually wrote her as she is in the book on the TV show, it would be, I mean, she'd be like the most hated character. Everything is her fault. (laughs) Mm. and it's just you know frankly her nabbing Tyrion kind of does make everything her fault in a way oh (laughs) can we talk about the catnapping (laughs) 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 because like just something that I've seen is that cat is hated because apparently she single-handedly started the the war of the five kings by kidnapping Tyrion but like that's a huge exaggeration yeah. It really is. Obviously, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't very like cool to Edmure because like he and the rest of the Riverlords had to had to deal with Tywin sending out um, the mountain and mountain to raid all of those villages. But like it didn't start the war. She right. was scared I mean, of being recognized so far down south. She thought he was a murderer. Like it was a choice that you know, it was. Well, in, it wasn't really her emotions getting in. Yeah, exactly. Like, Renly didn't rise up against Joffrey because Kat kidnapped Tyrion. Neither did Stannis, neither did Balon Greyjoy. But this just, a lot of people will just roll out again and again. Catelyn started the war. You know, it didn't didn't really help, but it didn't cause it. Yeah, Littlefinger kind of gets off easy here, as does Lysol. Yeah, exactly. And really, and they she... started it. Yeah. <laughs> With an assist But, but then again, Cersei. obviously, Kat's so stupid for believing him, even though this is like a man who would have fought hasn't death seen for hands. You know, he was her childhood friend, like a brother to her. Like she didn't really have any yeah. reason to. Actually, that is my least favorite thing about Kat's characterization. I think, mm-hmm. Kama, you've brought it up a number of times. The way that she seems to, she seems to like we talk about putting her in a box, but I think as a character, she puts every other character in a box. And yeah. does not 
forget that they could grow and change. So, you know, mm. Littlefinger I mean, is in hand- this, like, one box, and in her mind, he never gets out of it. And, you know, to, like, the detriment of her family. Mm. And it's that's like, something in book and show. So it's good that they've actually transposed that that part yeah. quite well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like me, you know, going back and thinking of the kid I was in the first grade play with and not realizing he turned into like a supervillain. Like, I don't think you could fault her for not, you know, going, ah, he must have turned, you know. You can't mm. expect her to know that Littlefinger turned into this Machiavellian piece of shit. Sorry, I'm not a fan. Um, but at the same time, when she is presented with evidence from multiple people that he has not turned out real well, she she's going back to that box thing. She doesn't, you know, he's the kid who had a crush on her. He's not. She can't possibly. She doesn't seem to be able to. Um, to go beyond that, those childhood. Kind like of. she looks. Has, has up anyone her. warned her about Littlefinger at this yeah. point? Who's who does that? Tyrion did. Someone else did. I, the the idea her. that I think he's the one who says. Um, and I mean, at that point, she's starting to realize that maybe Tyrion kidnapping and Jamie him was both do. Both like do, but the not, idea, yeah. like she's told by at least one character that. You know, he's saying he had your um, virginity yeah. and your sisters, too, mm. which, I mean, that should be a little warning bell, I would think. Yeah. Um, if it's not true, which I don't think it is. So she's kind of like the person that looks up their you know high school boyfriend on Facebook and then, you know, is like stunned that they're now apparently a racist or something like that. <laughs> 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 like, spouting a bunch of memes that no one wants to see like oh i don't know i don't i don't really blame her spy still feeling that way about Littlefinger though because despite what again what has happened in the show he isn't really this like cartoonish like disney villain just sort of like sliding about twiddling his like weird mustache beard thing like he a lot of people think that he's quite harmless and he's funny and he's there to help you out if you need a favor and I think that Catelyn actually, I think she's quite flattered that he challenged Brandon. And I don't know if she's always going to hold, hide him, hold him in quite high regard for that. Like the fact that he did love her so much, or so she thought, wasn't well, just like creepily at, obsessed with her. Even if you look at book Catelyn, which we can do, we can go back and forth. Mm. There are no rules here. I mean, she does that thing where she she kind of mistreats her brother because to her, He's that little whiny kid. Um, she doesn't quite get the depth of her sister's um, like her pain. I think mental like state her. and pain, Liza, because she's thinking of her still as that girl who, um, you know, she she you know she hasn't seen these people in like fifteen twenty years, and mm. even when she's confronted, there's like this sort of uneasiness. And she said her like, oh, wow. And then she sort of retreats back into thinking about who they were when she knew them. I I really think it's a thing with her yeah. character. She likes um, looking back at those nice summer days at River Run. I mean, it's human. It's what we do. Mm. But Which is partly why I love her as it's, a character. Yeah, it's definitely not it's something we get in the show about her at all. Like, just not an aspect of her that is part of the show at all. But I don't, you know, it might be 
too subtle to portray in the show, really. I mean, it'd be pretty clumsy to try to write that into dialogue. It could be done. I just don't think there are other people to do it. No, and she's not, you know, they're, they're not, not going to devote n- the time to her. To it, yeah. We we did get a couple of questions. Um, we had a couple of nons. One asked, uh, for the cat show episode, um, what changes to Kat's plot, not her characterization in the show, did you all most like and dislike? Hmm. I mean, I really would have liked, well, I wanted Lady Stoneheart and I didn't get Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, um, yeah that. Uh, I'm trying to think in terms of her plot. There are some changes, but I don't know. Just a few things that I would have that like. So something I'm pleased that something that wasn't in the books but was in the show that I liked. I liked that interaction with Littlefinger at Bitterbridge. I really liked that scene. Um, I find it like quite uncomfortable viewing that Ned um, that Ned's bones were brought back by Littlefinger. Like that. No, like given all that we know about. Peter now and something that I would have liked to see from the books that wasn't in the show I'd have loved to admit to have made more of that whispering wood scene because that is such a tense scene in the books where she's hearing the horns all around her and the sound of the fighting and the screaming and the birds overhead and in the show it was just and it was just her looking anguished by a tree for about three seconds although man she pl- her she played she that played, like her face is unbelievable she plays it but like imagine she's so fantastic imagine like having to watch her as she overhears like a battle she mm-hmm. would have killed that she'd been great but it's such a tense scene i would have liked to see that rather than seeing Tyrion get like dragged along the mud at the green fork before that got too much screen time i think i would have liked to have seen um some scene like the very first scene between her and hoster tully just when she is you know telling him she's going to introduce him to Rob and stuff. Like, I would have liked to have seen, like, a living Hoster and her have yes. a little yes. bit of interaction. The Tansy interaction. Yeah. That would have been so good for Liza yeah. if we would have got some of that. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, I agree there. I think it would have it would have um, enriched that whole River Run thing a little bit more and I think would have made it... I think it would have paid off later on like particularly yeah. in the last season, just to have a better sense of who a little bit more about her life there and the people there. Mm. And um, I think I could have done without probably a couple of the cat Talisa scenes, but I mean, I could have done oh without God. Talisa. Oh, oh. Yeah. I really think cat <laughs> stood in for me with Talisa because I was like, Oh my God, who the hell is this woman? And why is You're she You're not here, Jane Bob? Westerling. Well, it wasn't even that. It was just like she was. She was a modern character put in for no conceivable reason. And then they would do shit, and I'd be like, okay, why are Rob and Talisa getting married in a ceremony that neither of them, a religious ceremony, and neither of them believes in this religion? I mean, those kinds of things would drive me nuts. And, uh, sorry. Um. Um, in the in the show, the scene before they go into the um, dungeons with Jamie is that in the show? Like the um, like her and Brienne sitting there, and like y'all talked about last week, she's talking at Brienne, not really talking to her. Is that in the show? 
No, because um, Jamie's not even, you know, Jamie's in that cage. And so it's. Oh, he's in the cage. Yeah, that's right. So it's basically the uh, Karstark yeah, so. soldiers are. This is post. Um, Fighting over. Yeah, yeah. The Karstark mm. soldiers are going to kill him that Or, you know, Brienne kind of is like, yeah, they're going to kill him tonight. And. Yeah. That kind of spurs her into. Spurs her into some action. So, yeah, that that scene is, you know, where she talks about um, in terms of making her sympathetic, they added things. And that could have been a scene right out of the books that they take and um, where she, um, just her pain of it when she's she's lost Bran and Rickon. And um, just as another way to make her more sympathetic instead of what they did do. Um, I think that would have been a good yeah. scene to see in the mm. show. I would have liked that. And it would have given something to Brienne's characterization, too. Like, Brienne has <laughs> yes. kind of a little softer moment there that this Brienne kind of desperately needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that, again, I, I know I say this way too much, but I love that they gave her and Roos that scene at the Red Wedding. Like, that was a way better reveal than, um, you know, her seeing Daisy dance and, and you know, the guy or the guy yeah. refusing to dance yes. with her. Like, yes. the reveal in the Red Wedding was much, was much better. I mean, I have problems with the Red Wedding in terms of, of the staging is kind of bizarre. I mean, that whole bit where, like, Bruce runs out, he comes in, he kills someone, he uh, runs out. I never. He just kind of, like, how... slides across the floor. Like, he's got, like, slippery socks I mean, there socks were some on. things that they did where I'm like, I don't understand what you're doing there. And I shouldn't all, be worried about. It was about... comical. But um, I did love the bit like the scene with them at the the table with her and Brendan. And I mean, it, it, cause they have that chemistry and it was also like, you know, those weddings where you're sitting with people going like when they're watching the, the betting and they're like, it, she's like, Oh my God, that poor girl. And mm-hmm. it's this wonderful moment. And then later when he's got the, the arm on the table and, and he's you know, like, look at what I'm going to do. Like he's really happy about, uh, I mean, he's really happy about revealing this to her. And yeah, I mean, <sighs> her, her acting throughout the entire scene, like when the music um, changes, like her face, they um, zoom in on her face and like just the, her without any words, just the way um, you can see that switch in her that like, Oh shit, this is not good. Um, I, I love that so much in the red wedding scene. I mean, just even the end of the episode when she literally, as an actress, portrays like her soul leaving her body. Like, you know, like em- that is empty. Oh my! Yeah, like that is so good. I mean, it's so I funny also... because I remember in season three, you know, she doesn't really, you know, Michelle Fairley doesn't really get that much to do because they basically have to stall. You know, they just deciding to move the red wedding to the ninth episode of the season meant that they had to stall a lot, and so there's just not a lot going on in that plot. And you know she deserved every award in the in the book just for like those like five minutes of that episode. I mean she was that good. Was she nominated for anything for that? Of course not. Probably not. <laughs> no. Oh, I mean they really don't. If you're not Peter I mean, Dinklage, Lena Headey, or Amelia Clark, you're not going to get nominated for anything on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, and it's so political, and there's so much... I mean, I don't really feel that awards are necessarily the... Well, I mean, think of who you... if you no, had but to the think, rec- recognition would have yeah. been nice. I mean, they got an award for best writing for crap, you know, Christ's sake. I mean... And, like, Elf right Allen never got nominated for any of his, you know, for season two. Like, come on. Oh, God, good grief. But they're not... You know, they're not their main character. I mean, there's, I mean, 
there's so much I we could do an entire podcast on why the Emmys are, you know, oh, I mean, easily. The fact that the wire never won just that alone, <laughs> that should be enough to tell you that it's a bunch of shit. Sorry, I'm bitter about that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be mad about that forever. <laughs> a long time. Um, okay, but we're not doing that podcast. It's for another day. <laughs> Devin and I listened to it. I would. Um, I think we can come back to this question about, uh, there was another question sort of loosely along those lines, but I think we want to talk about that in a little bit. Um, let's talk about the problem that is John. And I don't mean <laughs> what's wrong with John. I mean, this whole thing, we got a couple questions. Um, I'm going to start out with Chicky, who said, why the hell did the show make Catelyn apologize and atone for not liking John? Uh, she also said, wish I was on this app. Love you, dorks. <laughs> and um, that's I'm one thing. Gonna... I really don't understand why they it, that was even needed. It was. If you didn't, didn't feel sympathetic to. for her enough already, then like. Like nothing, nothing can be done for you, really. Like exactly. <laughs> yeah. oh. You Actually, are the stone heart if that is the these, case. These questions, because they're all sort of related. And I think then we can just sort of dive in if that's okay, okay. yeah okay. um cutie pillar blog said book versus show discussion regarding the story cat tells to delisa while she sews that prayer reel how she thinks everything is her fault because she couldn't love a motherless child Ugh. it's like no bitch you capturing the imp is what started all this crap <laughs> laugh out loud i don't think cat would ever sew a prayer reel for a prayer wheel for john maybe just to pray he would die um <laughs> And we had an Anon who said, why do you think the show cut cats? It should have been you lying to John um, from the scene where John tells Bran goodbye. I mean, these are all kind of interrelated. So what do you think? think? I think it is to make her, you know, it is to make her more sympathetic and to like beat us over the head that John is the good guy. Hey, hey, John is the good guy. But I will say this though, in a lot of, areas of fandom people hate Catelyn because mm. of John how he she treats him I had my sister try to read she read a little bit of of a Game of Thrones the first book and she was like Catelyn is such a bitch I don't like the way she treats John and she couldn't even finish the book because of Catelyn but see again Catelyn it, is kind of a bitch like that she is, is part of who she is and you know as far as far as she knows John is Ned's bastard that unlike exactly. every other lord ever who like farms their bastards out to some nice family, John is like exactly. living in her house. Put yourself in Kat's shoes right now, okay? Your husband goes off to war. He comes back with this bastard. He says that is his. I mean, and you're left home by yourself hoping that he comes back. And pregnant, you're like, this reminder. pregnant, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm you like, met oh. this guy for two seconds. You got married for, like, after knowing him for two seconds. You're pregnant. You're bit, like, sidelined. He comes home with another kid who said, yep, this is my my bastard and he's going to live with us. I mean, you have to see him every day. And she got no answers. That's what's really sad. And like she actually said when she asked about Ned, it was the only time that Ned frightened her. And that's like, I can't imagine like we see Ned is so softly spoken towards his family and just picturing that like that must have been scary. Like she had no answers at all. 
and I feel like she didn't have anything when she makes that little speech for she said if he was in some if he was somewhere else then it would be fine she understood that men had their needs and like that would happen when he was away at war but with the fact that he was brought back to her home and there was no explanation like, given why like that how can you not sympathize sympathize with that why did Ned not like take John to, with Howland Reed like how did that not happen? I mean, I realize plot, but still. Because well, Mira, because Mira went with him. That's all. Oh, so Mira yeah, was the twin. Mira. Howlin got it. Because yeah. Mira went yeah, with him. Yeah, there was that theory. The yeah. twins. Yeah. Yeah. I, can I just say I absolutely hate the prayer wheel. Oh, I hate the it's prayer like, wheel too. It's such a bad. It look. They look terrible. Like, I mean, no self-respecting crafter would produce that. It's like, you know. And Kat would be a self-respecting a crafter. Hobby Lobby gone terribly, terribly wrong. Like you were drunk and you decided to do some arts and crafts and here you go. I mean. <laughs> and so the thing about her, to her you know, <laughs> I mean, That speech was just so unnecessary and like so much in that just did not make any sense at all. Well, like it was one thing her saying like, oh yeah, like if he lived, I'd be a bit kinder to him. But there was no way she would have let him be called Stark well, and put him above the inheritance for right. Rob. And it's like, one of those situations child, yeah. where like, she's a child of the nine penny kings era. She's like fully aware of what happens when there are like cadet branches and like random bastards like just roaming around the realm. Like she wouldn't have done that to her children. It was just so out of character and just so unnecessary. Yeah, it's one of those instances where the writers actually have the characters do the exact opposite of what they do in the book. And, you know, we get that with Cat uh, yes. in with, you know, mm-hmm. with Rob's will. We're, we're, you know, from Rob's perspective and, you know, I think really from the reader's perspective, yeah, this seems like a reasonable thing to do, you know, really makes sense. And Cat is like noping the hell out of nope. that. You know, there's no way that she will accept, there's no way in her mind that she will accept that. And really, you know, from her perspective at that time, Rob's will would come into effect if Rob was dead. So it's kind of like, well, what the hell does she even care at that point? Who has winter chances fell? are she's dead too. So like her kids you know, dying is a real possibility. Yeah, well, I mean, at that her, point, as far as she knows, all except of her for kids, Sansa, yeah. all of her kids are They're dead. All so, dead, yeah. So, and she's yeah. not objecting because, you know, she's not objecting because you know it cut Sansa out. She's objecting out of spite over John, and you know. As someone who really appreciates spite as an emotion, <laughs> I do not like that they took her spite away. Well, the show has never been any good at all. At pro- they are, I don't know if they're just terrified by the idea of characters that are shades of gray. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean because they whitewashed Tyrion. Tyrion, Carol. They, Tyrion. It, I think Tyrion's the worst one. Golly. Yeah, same I mean, Tyrion. What is with that? Well, Carol's pretty damn whitewashed, too. Well, yeah, but Larry, Carol, I mean, they've done this over and over. They're either all evil or, or like, misunderstood. And it's like, you know what? People are a lot more complex than that, usually. And, yeah, there's the occasional all evil or saintly character. But those people are boring. You want characters that have, like, three dimensions to them. What would Tyrion's Larry Carol name be? (laughs) Tyrion's, like, Like, Larry Carol name. Like Todd, maybe? Todd. I like Todd. <laughs> Todd. Yeah. Todd, Larry, and Carol. I like that. Yeah, I, I wish I knew who actually started that because it's brilliant. And it's pretty much universal at this point. Mm. So sorry we've taken the credit. Yeah. 
<laughs> but we get Todd. Todd Lannister is ours. Todd is um, so what's Cat? Like Cat is does Cat have like her whitewashed name? Like Katie? Katie Stark? No. Something like I like Katie Stark. Um I was gonna I say don't... like Oh god. Kitty Tully. <laughs> Kathy. I'm, like, I'm trying to think of like, you know, it's just this sort of like you know, I don't know, very like, generic. They're not really like Joan that's the Tully. Other thing. <laughs> renaming all the characters now you know um, i really wouldn't i hesitated reading any books where the characters have stupid names so like this actually so why is, did you open this book series? i know right this like, is like really? the outlier but you know now if we have like todd carol larry joan like okay i can read this book there's no dumbledores here <laughs> Well, it was like me. I said I've said this before on the episode or on the podcast. Like when they they brought in Ian McShane and named him Ray, and I'm like, really gonna go with that? Okay. It was R R H A E. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, no. Well, or like when you listen to um, Roy Dotrice, um, his oh his no audio books, and he calls Lisa Lisa, and I'm just like, you yeah, know, and Brian. <laughs> I couldn't uh, even listen to the audiobooks because of that. It was too distracting. I really want Harry Lloyd to do them. Oh, oh yeah, did so Duncan Egg, and that was fantastic. Him, his egg was my favorite. So well, maybe when George writes wins. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're kind. Of, I think we're divided on this, so I'm going to bring it up. We didn't get any questions about it, but Lady Stoneheart, yay or nay? Yay! Yay! Had had her. Yes, I, yes, I wanted definitely. her. So. I mean, Anything I've that was true said, to a feast for crows, I would have been happy with. I've always said nay because I thought that Stoneheart. I don't. I think she's dumb in the books, to be honest. But I, that assumed that there'd be something less dumb in the show replacing her. And as it turns out, like everything that was going to p- replace Lady Stoneheart was like Larry standing. A foot behind Carol's shoulder and Brienne looking out a window. So yeah, I would take Lady Stoneheart over that for sure. Yeah. Do I we feel, feel like Sansa or Arya is going to take over that role at all in any way? God, maybe I like with may, maybe no, but with maybe without the undead element, but you know, just the bloodthirsty act. No, I then. think the ship has sailed. I think Sansa. They've been pretty clear. They can tell. They can put her in those tacky dresses with the car part necklaces all they want and tell us how you know she's a hardened woman but she's pretty much generic princess and um aria is pretty much plucky young girl with you know a murder problem yeah i mean i don't i think actually i mean one of the things the show has been really good at was the stuff with the whites and the undead and i really think they could have handled zombie cat really well mm-hmm and it's I know they supposedly didn't go down that road because of George, but feel like that was a mistake. Wait, what? I just we would have got some. Sorry, they you didn't, didn't hear go about down that? that. No, George didn't want supposedly, him. Supposedly, to... um, they Mar- or George R. R. Martin told them or asked them not to do Lady Stoneheart. What was what I heard? Oh wow! Yeah, I thought it was I stupid. Why? I don't know. I could swear I read that somewhere, like in an inter- interview or something. Well, 
See, I always figured they dropped it because whenever Wins comes out, whenever that happens, Lady Stoneheart is kind of a dead end. That I guess whatever happens with Lady Stoneheart is not that big of a deal, so they dropped it. Or that it's like it's a one, it's a one or two scene. Yeah, like yeah, but they're making up their own shit now. I mean, they could have totally. Yeah. What you don't believe? Weekend at Bernie's is going to be in Wins or Dan Drama <laughs> <or German> Spring. <laughs> <laughs> um, Seriously, uh, can we just say for a second here? And I mean, obviously, we'll talk about it next week. They are literally writing a plot where they bring a white all the way down Westeros from the Wall to King's Landing. What? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> what you mean. Literally, they're not they Bernie's. Yeah, so it's literally weekend at Bernie's. Uh, so if no, they somehow you. nail a toupee onto this white, well, no. Yeah. No, thank you. How are they containing it? it? In like yeah. a, a cage. I don't know. Cage? <laughs> just, I mean, I don't like giving it milk of the poppy and probably putting it on a leash. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this will be fun. All right. Uh, anyhow, getting back to some of, we had some more questions. Um, this actually, I think this really changed a lot of things. Uh, and Anand writes, um, what aspects of Kat do you think were changed because Rob was aged up on the show? Do you think that Rob being older necessitated a change in Kat too? And I personally would add, I think Brienne being older changes some of their interactions as well. Yeah. I mean, mm. again, we get to like the black, you know, Rob being, you know, Rob being a man in his you know early twenties, seems less like someone that needs to lean on his mom and his uncle for advice. Like he's much more of his, um, he's much more of the driver of his own plot than he is in the book yeah. because of his age. Although I would argue his yeah. boneheaded decisions kind of belie that, but well, I mean, yeah, you but don't he's really the one making the, um, the decisions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't really get the teenager who's just thrust into this role as leader um and still on some level needing needing his mom to help him um you, you don't get that in the show because he is aged up and i i, I love that in the books uh, um and how the way cat thinks about it in the books like i have to lead him to this like i have to say the right things to lead him to this outcome on his own so he doesn't look any um weak or anything in front yeah. of his men like you, you you don't get that in the show and i really i, I wish they could have found a way to do it but with him being aged up it's just it just really would make sense I mean, they could have, but again, these are not the people to do, like, thoughtful character-based. Right. I mean, this is not yeah. their strength. They do action. They do very, you know, these, they they should be, like, working for Marvel or DC, like, t- 10 years ago. Not now, because Marvel, those, they're doing much more character-based um, stories, but they're very, mm. they're not subtle writers, Sorry. Why, oh, why am I apologizing? I know. Yeah, you <laughs> <can write> <laughs> wrote for that horrible Wolverine movie where he butchered Deadpool. The first one? So, oh, my God. Yeah, really? he did that. That's what oh. he did. He wrote Troy, which butchers so, Homer as well. <laughs> yeah. So this fucking mouth shut. Oh. Yeah. I have a feeling that the people more outraged are probably the Deadpool fans and not less, you know. The Homer contingent, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The Homer fandom is pretty hardcore. 
I don't, you know, when Rome was on, I was, I loved it because all of these classicists just like came out of the woodwork and you had people having these big debates about, I mean, it was great. So maybe there are people going, this is not what he meant. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was me. I was going like that. The only reason that movie worked was Rob, uh, Rob Lowe. Although Rob Lowe in a skirt would also be nice, but Brad Pitt in a skirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Valor, I never know how to say her name. Valor Ferry? Valor Ferry. Ferry? Yeah, she's been our guest many times. She lives near me. Um, <laughs> I just can't say her handle. Um I'm sure everyone has asked this, but what from the books would you have liked to see in the show? And, okay, we kind of touched on that. Um, she goes on to write, and what do you think Catelyn's role in the books might have been if she hadn't been killed at the Red Wedding? Like, if Rob still died, would she still be this force for vengeance? And if so, how would she go about it? Well, I mean, she she would have been, I mean, I think the original plan was to cap, you know, have her be a hostage. So she'd be a hostage yeah. with you know, another really powerful claim to River Run and, you know, to Harrenhal, frankly. Um, well, they, so the phrase could have, yeah, so, he, I mean, I kind of feel like she would it might have been, like, forcibly married to a fray. Yeah. What is, I mean, I could see her, okay, so she's a hostage, but what if she somehow managed to escape? I mean, if anyone could do it, she probably could. Where would she go? She doesn't she have could leave the, the Brotherhood, but not undead. She wouldn't have the connections in the veil that Blackfish does. She, Winterfell. She wouldn't, wouldn't be work. in the veil. She'd be in well, the river. I'm thinking of like where she where she would go though. You know, I guess like the Blackwoods and the you know the Blackwoods would be if I were her. That's where I would, you know, tie us somehow Blackwood. meets up to... with the Brotherhood without banners, and yeah. it's a different kind of Lady Stoneheart. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe if she's not at the Red Wedding at all, like maybe she goes north instead of Roderick Casal and goes back to back to be with Bran. Except that um, the Ironborn have already taken Winterfell by that point. Is it? Is is? I don't know. I thought he he had gone up before. Oh, but I would have. I would. I, it would have been nice if she could have gone home and just avoided it all completely. That would what have been if, nice. Like if she would have just like gone straight to Winterfell and not gone to River Run. Mm. After mm. she got after after she got back from the veil, yeah, because from the from the veil doesn't Roderick get a boat to White Harbor, and I think he yeah. heads north right he away. Goes, like, so I think he, he, he yeah. Mm. So I feel like he does he he gets there. Does he get there before the Ironborn arrive? Yeah, yeah. So I just feel like maybe if there was like someone else actually ruling Winterfell rather than like an eight year old boy who's really injured and not in a good way, then. Maybe things could have turned out differently. I don't know. It sounds like someone should write this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of one of those what ifs, though, that I think the most interesting thing that happened is what did happen. Like, a lot of times with what ifs, you can get a, a scenario. They're like, oh, yeah. But with Cat, it's kind of like, oh, you know, this is probably like, you know, this gruesome one is probably the best situation as far as the plot goes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about best for cat, but right. I mean, for the reader, for us, think about us. Come on, comma. Well, I often do, which is why I want things that you know. I have all these rare, weird pairings that I ship because I want what's best for me. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
She's such a complex, interesting character. I do like the show. I like Michelle Fairley a lot. I like her portrayal. I just... I, I just wish it had been a little bit... She'd had a little bit more to work with. Yeah, definitely. I think she did great with the material that she had and obviously the angle that the showrunners wanted to go for. And I, I, I don't feel like she would have had much say in... Oh no! How in the character's plot at all? So I think with what she had, if you see the show in the book is separate, like I love Show Cat, but you know, reading having read the books now, um, I do feel a bit cheated that I didn't see so many aspects of her character which George just wrote so brilliantly. I think you know the thing with all the failures of of Cat in the show, you know, they do succeed to a certain extent because she does, you know, she's the person that gives the emotional depth to the red wedding and as you know vicious and visceral of an experience that is it's cat that kind of gives it that you know the heart and the heart that's breaking and you know they still succeed you know they still succeeded in in getting that moment yeah i think if they had not she's the one who holds that episode together yeah, and it's her in the book. Actually, I think if it, I don't know who, what other character it could have been from the POV, but I think the choice. I mean, I don't think there was anyone else, but her being the POV character just kills me. Yeah. Um, and I promise, I I'm not reading around loud from the book, but that passage where you know she's dying is just like, oh you know, gosh, oh, Ned yes. loves my hair. Oh, yeah, I yes. yeah, the hair heartbreaking. Not my hair. Oh my gosh. Um, what was it we were laughing about? Face. Oh. But we were laughing about it on a couple podcasts ago. Her last thoughts were like, you know, and fuck you, Jon Snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the show, she's the one who sells it. I mean, I don't think anyone really, I mean, the tragedy of, of baby Ned doesn't really do anything for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, neither. Um, oh, or Talisa and her oh. horror at the wedding. I'm like, you know. Uh-oh. Like, yeah, okay, right on. Yeah, I think it, it's you need you need Michelle Fairley because she's mm-hmm. the one who makes that all real. It's not him. It's not Rob. It's it's her. I mean, it's a little Rob, you know. I mean, the thing is, like, <sighs> she and when he's his mother, like, yeah, you know. And actually, when we were talking about her all chemistry comes back with characters, to her. I forgot about her chemistry with Rob. That's the character, obviously, that she needs the most chemistry with. And they, I mean, frankly, they had almost too much chemistry. Like, they could be in another show playing lovers, and I would 100% buy it. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah, says, I mean, and when you listen mother, to the, the just... commentary and she's talking about men in kilts, you know, it's clear. <laughs> well, or the commentary for the Red Wedding when they're both sobbing at the end of it. So yeah, if you're so, ever in a mood for a good cry, listen to the commentary of the Red Wedding episode. Never done that, but I'm doing it when we get off here. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty It's bad. good. It's, it's 2 a.m., but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I feel so bad for you. Like so, um, I guess, me. any final thoughts? Um, Just a question about Stoneheart. Um, it's, some, it's something I've thought about. Just... If um, how much of Cat do we feel is left in Stoneheart, and if she was to find out somehow, I don't know, like somehow about um, Ned's promises and John and that whole thing, like 
would she care? Like, or can she even care? Like, it's like, like how much of Kat is even left in her? Or if she was to see her kids again, which y'all, y'all have talked about before her, like if she like, I don't want her to run into any of her children because yeah. I don't want them to see her like that. But just how much of Kat is left in her and like, how would that play out or how would she feel if she even does? I mean, if I were Kat and not even as Lady Stoneheart and found out that my husband lied to me for, you know, for his sister's sake and didn't trust me with that secret... I think I'd be like even more pissed off even about pissed. it at this point. Yes. Yeah, like I'd be livid. Whereas I think if she knew that, you know, four of her five children were alive, I think that she would, you know, put a sword through her heart and be like happy and be done, you know? Like mm-hmm. I think like if she knew the if she knew all those kids were alive, I think she would be you know, she'd be at peace a little bit. At more. peace, yes, definitely. I yeah. think Stoneheart is like pure pure fury. I don't think there's anything really left. Mm. Um, and like you said, I don't, like, I've seen thick where, you know, her children run into her and I can't, I mean, oh, it's very well done, but it's like, you know, I mean, in real life, it's hard enough sometimes to see your parents when they're, you know, deathly ill or they're like, you mm. know, dying or whatever. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to see your parent turned into in that a state. Zombie. Like a, yeah. a, a well not even a zombie An because undead, she's yeah. got but this sort of undead literal fury. I mean, that's what she is. There's no reason, there's no compassion, there's nothing but that emotion. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I like I, I agree. I do not want any of the Stark children to run into her at all. But I reckon if she was faced with some of her children in the state that she's in now, I feel like there would be enough Catelyn left to, you know, just realize the weight of what that meant. I I feel like, yeah, she would she would probably, like, drab, drab a sword or a dagger for her own heart if she saw that. But um, I, I don't want that to happen. I mean, I kind of do as a reader. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They've been through enough. All of them. But it'd be a really rotten book if it was just, you know, everything is nice for everyone. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm not. Like, I, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a Stark fan girl at all. But like, those kids can do without seeing their their mother with her like her scratch marks on her face oh, and sure. her gaping throat. Like, no. You know, in don't a series that's. Up. That's not exactly noted for good things happening to good people. I mean, I don't think we have to worry about that's part. I mean, that's, that's another, that's another podcast, but I mean, there's a lot of misery and I, it would be, there's things I don't want to have to see. And I think that would be a little, almost too painful, which probably means if we get it, he'll do it. Yeah. like oh, I, I think, I think it will happen. <laughs> I just don't want it to. Who do you think would in, would encounter like who's best place in the book to actually do that? Probably Arya. Arya, yeah, Arya. Because well, Bran's turning into a tree. I don't know about Sansa. Uh, and Arya's my fave, so I don't want it to be her. But I think if it happens, Rickon's off on Cannibal Island. I refuse riding to... a unicorn. Yeah, well, and I, mean, I refuse Arya's to believe already, he's yeah. dead until it happens oh, no, in the he, book. Didn't not. happen. I think Arya is the one. Yeah, and she's already, you know, seen the dead body through. Um, well, and, the oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
and she's she's been with the um the brother or brotherhood without banners so she knows them so that seems well in gendry too so yeah, yeah she would get to see gendry so there's a there is a positive <laughs> that's not what i was going with i just meant like you know the reuniting but <laughs> anyhow unless we got anything else um do we have mail we do yeah. we have um two two mails first one is from fiction is my way through life Hi, guys. I'm not sure if you will have talked about this or not, but I just wanted to comment on how RR fucked up an entire generation. And it's so interesting to see Kat and Jamie, two peoples whose lives changed forever during the rebellion, still reckoning with that. Jamie became the Kingslayer and Kat was taken away from all she knew. Also, I had a great time with you guys last week, and it was nice to respond to you guys directly instead of talking to my iPhone like a lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) So, and um, we also have one from Lot. Yay! Our very own Lady of Tarth, Post. Hyphen Post. Um, Hyphen Post. says, um, I'm sitting in line at a KFC drive through with a screaming infant in the back. It's 10 p.m. I'm starving and in complete misery, and yet you managed to elicit a laugh from me when you read an excerpt from Ashara's story. Wonkin's reaction was priceless. Thank you. Oh, and this isn't the first time Giles read Smut for podcasts. She read the real deal sex up scene way back in episode three, I believe. Thanks again, Lot. <laughs> I like that she remembers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, I'd like to thank everybody for participating. And um, okay, so support our podcast and become a patron. Uh, you'll get benefits like special episodes and exclusive exclusive early access to new episodes. Listen and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. And you can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at close the door and at gmail.com. Um, again, thank you to our panel and thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.